Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. We have liftoff on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football, and it's your home for the Army-Navy preview special that we have in store. We have a loaded podcast for you all this week as we get you ready for America's game on Saturday. Army and Navy presented by USAA Saturday at 3 o'clock in Philadelphia. I'm Price Atkinson, joined as always by my co-host Steve Carney and Mike Lovell. We got a lot to do tonight, today, this morning, whenever it is you're listening to this episode because as we're going to bring you our Army-Navy preview special as we're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, as I mentioned, a loaded lineup, guys. We've got Pete Medhurst, the Navy play-by-play voice of the midshipmen. We've got Sal Interdonato, the founder, editor of BlackKnightNation.com, and then we're going to wrap it up with best-selling author John Feinstein, author of A Civil War. You won't want to miss all these interviews to get you ready from every single angle that you can be ready for Saturday's game. Then we'll come back and wrap it up uh, with the Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment and our picks for America's game on Saturday. Steve, Michael, the excitement filleth the air. Could we be more ready for Saturday? I think it's not. How are you guys tonight? Fantastic. It's Army-Navy week, and uh, everybody knows what that means. It's all about this game. The whole week is uh, is all about this game on Saturday. Yeah, you know this is a big week, Ben, because, well, we're a day late doing this. I mean, that's <laughs> a, it's taken us it, – we've got so much stuff this week that it's taken us an extra day to make sure that it's all crammed in there and, and making sure that you have the best coverage of the Army-Navy game, which we all love and uh, I think we're all excited for. Yeah, I mean, our my apologies, our apologies for being a day late. But no, the hell with it. This is it, we, it's big. Yeah, we we are not a dollar short. I was going to say because we have got a loaded lineup. I mean, this is about as locked and loaded as you get, Michael. I mean, we we talk with Sal Interdonado from Navy. Uh, Steve and I, we talked with Pete Medhurst a little bit earlier, and then obviously John Feinstein to wrap it up, a, a good friend, somebody that will, you know, be front and center. His favorite game, you know, uh, of the calendar year. I mean, it's just, it's loaded. I mean, let's go ahead and get into it. I mean, without further ado, because we do have a lot to do. It's five and six Army, four and seven Navy, three o'clock Eastern time, Saturday on CBS. Army's given two and a half down from four and a half, I guess, from where it it started. Over under is 32 and a half. The 123rd installment of this series, the 90th time in Philadelphia, and the 14th time for if you're scoring at home at Lincoln Financial Field. When these two sides square off, presented by USAA and the eighth most played rivalry in the football subdivision. Navy leading the all-time series 62-53-7, to 45-40-4 against Army in Philly, uh, and 11-2 against the Black Knights at Lincoln Financial Field. Army, let's see, Navy has won 18 of the last 23, in, including two of the last three. So that's just kind of setting the stage, guys. I mean, the excitement, we're, I mean, we're, we obviously, uh, you know, we've got – you know, rooting interest on, on both sides. Um, 
What do you think? What, what are we doing? What are we talking about? What what's what is the key? What are we looking at as we go into it, Mike, on Saturday? Well, I, I think the biggest question, Price, and I talked about this a little bit for our readers who like to read a little bit on my last word on college football column, is the Army run defense. Uh, Navy's the seventh-ranked rushing offense in the country. Army's defense ranks 115th out of 131 schools. Really, the question is, can Army's defense stop Navy's rushing attack? If they can, Army stands a good chance to win this game. The other key is both these teams, and we've talked about this extensively this season, both all mm-hmm. three of us, whichever team can keep the second half momentum of the season going with no low number of penalties and no turnovers, the team that makes, and, and I know this is a blinding flash to the obvious, but this game really is around centers around this, whichever team can make the fewest mistakes uh, will, yep. will probably win this game. So I, those are the two things I look at. Uh, I'm focusing on when I, when I look at who's going to uh, come out of this game as a winner. Yeah. For me, price, I look at it as this is a game that it doesn't matter if, both of these teams, or one of these teams was 12 and 0, and the other was 0 and 12. You know that this game is going to come down to the fact that there's going to be a mistake that's going to be made late in the second half. And mm-hmm. which team is going to be the one, as Mike said, that makes that crucial final mistake, and the other team is able to take advantage of it. Now, as we stand here, both teams uh with five wins. And, and I I really think that, you know or excuse me, one with five wins and the other with four wins. Um, I I look at both of these teams as, as, you know, even though, you know, Army's schedule, I think a a little lighter, we've talked about this a little bit uh, with Pete Medhurst, that that Army's schedule, maybe not quite as strong as Navy's because they had the extra couple of, they had the couple of FC, they had two FCS games, Uh, as opposed to Navy, who had just one. And then, of course, the American Athletic Conference schedule, as opposed to um, going around with the independents, as Army did with UMass and and the like. Uh, I I really do think that this is going to be uh, a battle of the the big uglies. You know, you're going to see the offensive lines for both teams and the defensive lines. Mike talked about you know, the, the Navy rushing attack versus Army's rush defense. I honestly think that you can look the other way as well and, and look at the front seven of Navy versus <clears throat> to hear Tyler and what they're what they're going to have to do to try and wrap up Tyler, especially after his three touchdown performance mm-hmm. against UMass. That momentum, even though it's been a couple of weeks, uh, I, I really do think that that's going to be a big, big key here, uh, especially later on in that game. <clears throat> Yeah, and the margin for error is all it is. Whenever, however, this game is played, it's you know mistakes are always going to be at the forefront because margin for error being so thin. When you talk about amount of possessions per team, you know, especially when you run the ball and you run the clock, you don't have that many possessions, and so you can't afford those giveaways, whether it be an interception, a fumble. You know, God forbid, you know, something that happens on special teams where you give it immediately back to the other team. That's all, I mean, I think we all agree that's certainly always going to be the case. And this year's installment, you know, of, of strength versus strength is, is you know, something we'll get into throughout this episode with our guests and everything. You know, Navy fourth in the country in, in rush defense, giving up just 85 and a half yards per game. Uh, Army, the number two rushing offense in the country at 304.4 yards per game. Um, you know, the one thing I'm, you know, that 
oftentimes can make a difference. And we'll see if it does. Maybe it doesn't on Saturday. Uh, but as special teams, and Army's got, in my book, you know, an advantage there in special teams. They blocked two punts this year, which is tied for 13th in the country. Um, we talk about mistakes. Army's only given it away 13 times, which is 20th in the nation. But the special teams, you know, their kickoff return and punt return defense have been very strong this year. Uh, ninth in the country in kickoff return defense and 10th in punt return uh, defense. You know, mentioned the block kicks. I mean, I think this might be an edge where Army has got a, no pun intended, maybe a leg up here uh, on Navy. Yeah, but it, 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 I, I, I do think that some of those units are pretty good. I, I, I do still, as, as a guy who watches Army a lot, I still, still do worry about the kicking game. The couple of the two games this season, the punt game, uh, kind of let him down. And then, uh, you know, the kicking game is always uh, with Army. Ever since Coach Munkin's been there, they've not had a steady, reliable kicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that, I, I think the coverage is good. Um, like you pointed out, a lot, lot of good, a lot of good on the coverage areas. But if it comes down to a, you, you know, a last second drive where you need to, where you need a solid punt to pin Navy inside their 15, or you need a, a 35, 40, 45 yard kick to win the game. Uh, my heart rate would be more elevated, <laughs> more elevated uh, than normal um, uh, with, with with Army's kicking situation. Are, are you basically saying we should not have any kind of blood pressure uh, apparatus on your arm on Saturday at, at the link, Mike? Certainly not if we're going to report it to the life insurance company for sure. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, well and, we- and remember that, that Navy had uh, that game against East Carolina where uh, where Daniel Davies came in and was able to to come through in overtime mm-hmm. uh, to beat to beat the Pirates on the road, so uh, I I don't I don't think that you could say that that Army special teams <clears throat> is that much stronger. I I do admit that okay. I I do think that they do have the advantage, but I I'd be curious to see if this comes down to a kick late in the game, and it's Army versus Navy. I I I like Daniel Davies' chance uh, to make a to make a kick late to win a game. Yeah, I think Price. To your point, the the units, uh, you know, the ones that produce the hidden yardage are probably in the favor of Army. Mm-hmm. But the individual clutch performances, uh, the the guys actually kicking or punting uh, when they have to, I, I don't know that Army has the advantage there. Yeah. All right, we're going to continue getting ready, getting you ready as you've invested your time today, tonight, this morning, again, wherever you are with this episode of Yards and Stripes, our Army-Navy preview special as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network that you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. We've got Pete Medhurst coming up. We've got Sal Interdonado and John Feinstein, as I mentioned. And then we'll come back and give some picks along with our Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment. Also, we got a team going bowling. So we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, as we move through our Army Navy preview special. But before we get to our first guest interview, Pete Medhurst, who is the play by play voice of the Navy Vince Shipman, Steve and I caught up with him. I want my good friend and our co-host Mike Lovall to tell you guys about Ticket Smarter. With pleasure, Price. Fans, are you still looking for those last-minute tickets to Army-Navy or maybe tickets to a, a bowl game close to you or, or for another team that you cheer for? If you are, we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. 
We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official t- ticket resale marketplace and with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of postseason college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with Ticket Smarter mobile app or TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just good for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. So check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember the code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter. Use Ticket Smarter. Thank you, Michael. Make sure to check out our friends at Ticket Smarter with all kinds of bowl games coming up. But coming up next, right here on Yards and Stripes, your Army-Navy preview special is underway. And next is Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen. We'll be right back. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, getting going on this Army-Navy preview special here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. And now we are going to talk about Navy football, getting going out of the gate. And when it comes to five-tool broadcasters, Pete Medhurst, the voice of the play, uh, the play-by-play voice of the midshipmen, he is the bar with his headshot in the dictionary right next to the term five-tool broadcasting that you can follow on Twitter at Pete Medhurst, also the morning show host on 980 AM, the team out of D.C., Pete, what's happening, my man, as you roll through the hills of West Virginia, my friend? Amen. On my way to Morgantown, Price, Steve, good to be with you guys, and always good to talk Navy football. Yeah, Steve and I are going to tag team this thing, and we're going to talk a a lot about the midshipmen here and what a year it's been, finishing on clearly a high note a couple weeks ago, as this team's going to come into this with, what, three weeks off, which is really unheard of for the midshipmen going into an Army-Navy game. But before we start, Pete, you know, the emergence of sophomore fullback Dabba Fofana in the offensive backfield. With all due respect to some of the the last few B-backs Navy's had, this seems like the first legit fullback that Navy's had in the last several years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what we had, you know, first, you know, with Jamel Carruthers, obviously uh, Noah Copeland before that. But, I mean, you're, again, you're, you're going back a couple of years trying to fulfill the most important position in the Navy offense. And, you know, Daba, in fact, Daba, Anton, and Logan all had some early adversity at that position, and Daba has really overcome it the most. He's gained huge strides. Kenny and I talked about this on Monday, just talking about how much he had improved uh, at that spot and how his emergence, I mean, it would take, it would take a big game, but – you know, he's 201 yards away from 1,000 yards. And, you know, when you go back and look at his workload, it's been just a little more than a part-time player. So he's really, really solidified one of the most important spots on that offense for the football team. Pete, I'm curious, uh, 
the the quarterback position at the start of the year, we all we all thought, you know, Ty Lavatai, this was going to be his year to shine, that he was going to get that opportunity. He goes down to injury, and you have to, and you go to Xavier Arline. I know that Arline's not, you know, he's not new in this in this offense. You know, this is a guy that has had his opportunities in, in years past. But how have you seen him go, especially? <laughs> Over the stretch of the last uh, couple of games, you know, yeah, that that really tough stretch with Cincinnati and then Notre Dame and UCF, and how he is, how he has grown as a quarterback and as a leader of that offense. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, look, if you look at the two metrics between the two teams, schedule-wise, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. They so far and away play much tougher schedule than Army has, and. The fact that you play great teams makes you better. Playing Cincinnati's defense, playing UCF's defense, playing Notre Dame's defense has made Xavier get better. And he's really done a fantastic job progressing each game and playing very well. The only pass he threw against Central Florida, I mean, he puts it right on the money. It hung just a smidge and gave the TV a chance to come back and close uh, on the ball. But otherwise... I mean, he's improved in that category as well. But more importantly, his command of the offense is there now. And I think the coaching staff has a great deal of confidence in him going into this football game with him running that offense right now. So we continue with Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen. He's also, talking about five-tool broadcasting, also the play-by-play voice at Rosecoff Raceway. And then, Pete, I thought it was so awesome, man, when you made your debut calling the Washington Nationals game. What was that, two years ago, or was that last season? Uh, 2019, the year of the two- World Series. 19. And, uh, you know, I mean, we went down there, stomped on the brakes, Stockburg, and everything was so good. <laughs> you know, and since then, uh, things have changed roster-wise for both teams. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, but that's what, look, I mean – we, that's what we all aspire to when we get in this business. You want to take it as high oh, yeah. uh, as you possibly can. Very blessed to be a part of the Nationals radio network. And, you know, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of people that could buy for that. There are a lot of people that could do that job, right? I just happen to be the lucky one uh, that happened to be right there in town. On yeah. Flagship. And, um, you know, it was just it was a dream come true, man, to have baseball back in my town. Uh, after not having it for so long. Yeah, we had the Orioles up the street, but it's not the same when you root for all the Washington teams growing mm-hmm. up. The Washington baseball team, but just a magical year with the Nationals. And uh, I have complete faith that Mike Rizzo is eventually going to get it turned around again here in Washington. Well, you, Joe Miller, Keith Mills, Scott Wyckoff, and then special commentary from John Feinstein, that's all going to get underway on the Navy Radio Network at 2 o'clock, followed by, obviously, the game that you'll bring to uh, ears all over, not just the country, but the world. I'm going to ask you about that at the end. Then you guys will have the 30-minute postgame show. But real quickly on, on offense for Navy uh, before we look on the defensive side of the ball, Ivan Jasper, you know, he obviously he lost that offensive coordinator job ever so briefly last year. He's quickly brought back. He's still uh, the quarterback coach. How has things gone transitionally? I know what happened last year, but how has everything gone in terms of uh, you know play calling, giving up that spot, and just seamlessly you know staying on the staff in what was I know an awkward time last year? Well, I mean, would you first of all, you're talking about one of the most professional individuals at his job uh, as there is in the country. Yeah, and a lot of people could have handled that situation differently. Mm-hmm. 
that coach believes in him, uh, handled it masterfully. Ivan handled it masterfully, and everybody moved on. And I watch what goes on during the game because the coach's booth is right next to us. Mm-hmm. I see what Ivan's got going on in every play. Kenny right now has the final say on plays, but, I mean, Ivan, Ivan is essentially contributing just as much as if he were making the final decision. Yeah. Uh, you see the communication going on, but more importantly, Price, you see the work that he does with quarterbacks. And as I've tried to tell everybody when I explain this to them, Ivan Jasper could be the quarterback's coach for any football team in the country. Nick Saban could hire him tomorrow, and he would hit the ground running and be great for the University of Alabama because I believe in him that much in a football coach. Mm-hmm. His football IQ is tremendous. And his ability, more importantly, to communicate with kids and get them proof. The proof is in the pudding. We have rarely never had a quarterback not ready to go uh, the only thing that really hampered that the last couple of years has been the pandemic. I mean, Xavier never had a spring practice. So the, his freshman year, they didn't even start till the first week of school, and he ends up starting the Army game at West Point at the wow. end of that season with the way things went. So uh, Ivan's work speaks for itself. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need Kenny or anybody to defend him. Uh, his professionalism and his work ethic and his ability to make people better uh, the results, look, Kenny says all the time in coaching, it's a results-oriented business. And the results for Ivan Jasper, there's a heck of a lot more W's than there are L's uh, throughout the course of his and Ken Diamatololo's career. There's no doubt about that, Pete. I, I, I want one, one more question about the offense because it seems like they're going to get a big boost with offensive tackle Jamie Romo uh, returning for this game uh, and – I know that there are a lot of people that that may not understand what he's had to do to get back and ready for Army Navy this week. Can you kind of just take us through as somebody that's around the team on a regular basis on what he has dealt with and and what he's had to do to get back? Well, when you think about at most programs, if you get hurt early in the season, you can pretty much redshirt and come back the next year if you want. They don't have that at Navy. So this is it for Jamie Romo. This is this is your last shot to play a football game is this week right now and rehabbing and rehabbing and rehabbing some more and trusting the doctors, trusting the rehab process is so important. And he's done that. He's battled, you know, to this point where he's he's gonna be able to contribute this week if the opportunity presents itself and, you know, I would, you know, people can listen in on our pregame show. Scott Wyckoff's going to have a heck of a, uh, you know, conversation with him. And Jamie, of course, is a grandfather, longtime trainer uh, at the Naval Academy, Red Romo. He's a legend at the Naval Academy. Oh yeah. So yeah. you've got a legacy family at the Academy, but you're talking about a legacy human being, man, because it would have been easy for him to say, you know what? I got to worry about graduating in May. I'm going to, you know, just worry about getting my body right for that and uh, doing the things I got to do both academically. And, and sure, I'm, I'm still part of the team, but I, I'm going to go concentrate on those things. Good luck, man, the rest of the way. That's not been his goal because 99% of the young people that come through the gate on I day, this is who they are. We talk about how special they are. Uh, Price has worked with them. He knows. He's worked. He's interacted uh, with these kids. They, these kids are different, man. 
we call them the best and brightest for a reason. It's because they have a much higher calling when they come through the gate. Sure, they, they get to participate in Division One athletics, but the calling is even higher for them. The reason why they all come through the gate and Jamie Romo living are many uh, of the student athletes at the United States Naval Academy who overcome the same adversity uh, to participate because that brotherhood means something to them. All right, Med, uh, it's no question that Navy's youth has been well-documented, one of the youngest teams in the country. You know, on defense, pretty young at linebacker and in the secondary, but one guy at linebacker leading the way is certainly not young, and that's John Marshall, who was named Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week after what he did in the UCF game. Um, I mean, it seems like it's really been the latter half of this season when he's come on, but there's no question. I thought I'd seen it all at linebacker for Navy over the last few years with Diego Fago and what he did with an incredible career. Now it's John Marshall leading that defense, giving up just 85 yards a game on the ground. Wow, what a revelation he's been, Med. Think about it, Price. He was the top wide receiver for Caleb Williams, who's now at USC. They were together in high school at Gonzaga. John was his number one wide wow. receiver. Uh, John caught a Hail Mary from Caleb Williams on Navy's home field to win the WCAC championship game. Wow. And turns that shows you how good of an athlete he is, though. This is a guy that was a full-fledged wide receiver in high school, and he turns out to be an amazing outside linebacker. And, and, and look, I mean, you call the position what you want, but mm-hmm. striker is truly what he is. Yeah. He strikes fear <laughs> in the defense. And he has been amazing. I can't even tell you what it's been like to see a Navy player have four sacks in a quarter, let alone a season, is ridiculous. <laughs> but what he has done for this team, ironically, his greatest skill probably is diminished in this game because Army's not going to throw it very much. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I can assure you Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, will find a way to utilize John Marshall in this football game coming up this week. <laughs> yeah, and for, for those that may not know about the Washington uh, schools uh, in, in D.C., Gonzaga, one of the top private schools uh, in, in the entire mid, uh, mid-Atlantic region, let's not just say it's not just in, the, in, the, in D.C., but the entire mid-Atlantic. But I want to I know he... Um, what do you think the biggest key for that group in the front seven with Marshall spearheading the way against Tahir Tyler, uh, the, the Army quarterback, is going to be? Well, I mean, clearly one of the one of the unsung heroes in this team has been our nose guard, Donald Berniard Jr. He's been ridiculous, running plays down sideline to sideline as a nose guard. Uh, his play, Clay Cromwell, Jacob Busick, and then as Price alluded to, those linebackers. Uh, have all been terrific. Remember, they're having to replace, you know, a, a legend at Navy and Diego Fago, and we got four dudes that have stepped right in and done that in the middle uh, this year uh, for this football team, which has been uh, superb. And, you know, that group up front, plus guys like uh, Reed and Barber coming off the bench as well for Navy. They've cultivated depth uh, as well. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And as I talk to Coach Timmy Montalolo all the time, we've talked about this several times through the years, you never really understand the job, how good your coaches are doing until you see their players in the game. And when you see that defensive staff play, you can 
tell all the work they've been doing Monday through Friday uh, has been on point because that performance of that run defense this year, uh, let's face it, that's the key matchup in this game, Army's run game, Navy's run defense. Um, I mean, it's going to be a humdinger, man, inside the shoebox, inside the UCF octagon, however you want to, <laughs> you know, however you want to do it. We go Ric Flair, Harley Race, and Steel Cage. But that's what this is coming up, man. This is prime time steel cage, mono a mono coming up this week uh, between these two units. Nothing like a uh, Starcade 83 reference. Yes! Let me expand on that. At Navy right now is Sydney Watts, our junior basketball player on the girls' side. Her father is former Louisville quarterback and former Eric professional Watts. wrestler Eric Watts. Whose and father is her, Cowboy Bill Watts. Yes, and her godfather is none other than my guy, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. They are supposed to be coming to the Army-Navy basketball doubleheader coming up in February. You talk about a person that is so excited, he can't contain his excitement. I'm like Mean Gene Ockerlin right now. Give me a little Diamond Dallas Page. Give me a little Eric Watts. Let's talk about this big one coming up between Army and Navy. And you know DDP is going to come through with flying colors promoting that game. And some oh, he's got – He's the, he he certainly he certainly is the man. I, I do want to ask you, Pete, uh, as we talked a lot about this game going forward. Uh, I've seen the rotation for the next five years with Foxborough, with um, MetLife, Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore, and the, the game in Landover. Um, I, I'm curious how what your what your thought is on maybe expanding beyond the East Coast for some of these games. Like, how great would it be to have Army Navy? at Soldier Field in Chicago or in San Diego where the Navy presence is so is so big or up in Seattle where the Navy presence is so big. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what you would think about maybe expanding the rotation, maybe not going to Philadelphia so much, but being able to let the rest of the country get an opportunity to go as well. Cash talks. It's a question mm-hmm. of, you know, we've had other cities uh, want to get in on the proceedings, but you know, there are so many things that go into this, including mm-hmm. you have to transport the brigade the cadets, yeah. and the corps to that eight over eight thousand people. You gotta figure out how to get to that city and house them, you know, the day before the game. So that's all in your cost. And that's why the city of Philadelphia has been an amazing host in this game. And, you know, you look at clearly the connection with Navy and Bill Belichick. One of the reasons why Foxborough, the Kraft family, got in. Look, I mean, look, Landover is 20 minutes from my house. But I could just assume must play that game somewhere else than FedEx Field. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Baltimore, the Ravens are an amazing partner with Navy. Uh, we just played Notre Dame there. Uh, the Giants and the, the Meadowlands, another outstanding partner uh, for these two teams. They've also been a great partner with Navy on the Notre Dame game. So, uh we are spreading around a little bit. I do believe there is tradition, though, to the city of Philadelphia. Um, they should host it more often than, than other people. But, again, cash mm-hmm. cash speaks volume. Mm-hmm. You know, cash, ironically, is such a uh, it's such a quiet thing in terms of its, uh, you know, presence. But it speaks volumes when you see it. If I bring you a lot of cash, you're going to pay attention <laughs> to me. Okay? So, and, and that's. That's essentially what Army and Navy have done. These cities have met the requirements, and sure, the 
great. Chicago, San Diego, of course, the one year was at the Rose Bowl. Navy beat Army 42-3 that year out there with Napoleon McCallum. But I think if it goes west of the Mississippi, there's one guy, there's one guy that can meet the price tag, and that's Jerry Jones. So if it ends up somewhere west of the Mississippi, that would be my prediction if it goes west of the Mississippi because that guy can write the check. Mm. Interesting. That's interesting, Med. All right, before we let you go, Med, for a, a five-tool broadcaster like yourself, the elite of the elite, for bringing this game in, not just to men and women or you know here at home around the country, but what is it like as a broadcaster to bring this game into bases to service men, to service women around the world at all hours of the day, night, morning, wherever it is, whenever it is for this game on Saturday for you. What is that What is that like? What is that honor like for you? You know, you, you know me a little bit, and you know I am a big sports broadcasting junkie. Mm-hmm. The only thing I've wanted to do since I was five. Is, yep. uh, radio TV history means so much to me. Um, and even if an ESPN or a Fox or somebody like that doesn't call me before, you know, I retire, mm-hmm. I'm cool with what I've done with my life. Mm-hmm. But – this game, when you think about the people who have called it, it is a very small fraternity of people. Yeah. To be included in that fraternity now, knowing what this game means to all of the alumni worldwide that, that tune in, and to be one of those people that gets to do that, I mean, it, it, it's an awe-inspiring feeling. It it makes me very emotional talking about it because I know what our kids go through. I know what the kids at Army go through because my cousin, Matt Campbell, kicked for Army. And I watched him warming up before the game. And the president of the United States, George Bush, I'm I'm 40 yards away from him (laughs) watching him warm up before the game. Here comes George Bush saying to Matt, hey, do you mind if I kick one? And my cousin <laughs> says, who am I to tell the president no? You know? hey, he's the commander-in-chief so, for crying out loud. Right, right. And I watch, I watch George Bush kick the ball off of his tee. I mean, shaking hands. I shook hands with President Bush. I've shaken hands with President Obama walking around the field at this game. I've been at the White House as a result of Navy winning the commander-in-chief's trophy uh, as well. And as I tell people all the time, man, as a dude that was raised by his grandparents that grew up in a trailer park, to be able to go where I've gone with my life and my career, to be a part of this amazing rivalry that is as good as it gets, is as most it's as important as any we have. Um, you know, and Matty, get that from Millie. Uh, it, it's just, it's awe inspiring, man, I'm... and it, it, it's one of the reasons why I look forward to every season because I know. I mean, think about this. Joe and Keith are all dudes from Anne Arundel County, man. Yeah. And for us to be able to broadcast Navy games in the area that we all grew up, lived, supported those communities, still do, um, it, it's just, it's, 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 I mean, I can't even put into words accurately what it really means uh, to me uh, to be able to do that uh, because of what this rivalry means to the people that play in it and the people that attend both of these amazing. Amazing academic institution. 
Well, man, Pete, it's it's amazing. It's an honor to have you for a few minutes and to catch back up with you to talk some Navy football. Man, have a great call on Saturday, and as always, I'll, I will certainly be tuned in listening as you guys get started with the pregame show, 2 o'clock on the Navy radio network, and then obviously the game, then 30-minute postgame show. You, Joe Miller, Keith Mills, Scott Wyckoff, one of the best crews you can find out there. Appreciate everything, Pete. Right, Steve. Appreciate you guys. You guys have a great holiday, man. All right, once again, that's Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy Midshipmen. And don't go anywhere, Army fans. Coming up next, Sal Interdonado, the founder-editor of BlackKnightNation.com. Mike Lovell and I are going to talk with him about the Black Knights in this season and get you ready for Saturday's game, the 123rd installment of the Army-Navy game, the 90th played in Philadelphia. We'll be right back here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes, Service Academy football. All right, welcome back into Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Bryce Atkinson joined by my co-host Mike Lovall for this interview as we're going to talk Army football with the preeminent member of the media, a guy that uh, is, is steep in Army uh, knowledge and covers the Black Knights as anybody around. That's Sal Interdonado, the founder, editor, guy that runs BlackKnightNation.com. You can follow him on Twitter, Sal Interdonado. Again, his website is BlackKnightNation.com. Sal, how's it going, man? Thanks for a few minutes on a busy week as we get ready for a game that I know we all look forward to every season. Yeah, Price, appreciate the praise and thanks. Uh, appreciate being back. Good to be back here with you guys. Yeah, man, it's great to uh, it's great to see Black Knight Nation flourishing. I know you. I mean, you literally cover everything when it comes to you know Army athletics, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse. But we're going to talk football here because that is the topic of the day. Um, and I know with you know it's been kind of a, I guess a streaky season for the Black Knights. Really kind of gone in streaks, but late momentum what maybe played its best most complete game of the season last time out and 44 to 7 win over UMass uh, at least going into this army navy game there's momentum and you know no college you know bowl eligibility is on the table it really doesn't matter at this point but army's got to be feeling good going into the annual showdown with their uh, with their rival navy yeah, you look in those last two games against UConn and UMass, right? The offense kind of started to play, it started to get it together, and also um, they figured it out in the second half of that UConn game, right? I mean, they just—that's been the problem earlier in the year. They just struggled to finish games, and it took them, you know, game ten to figure out how to kind of finish those those games uh, against you know some some really decent competition. So I think that. You know, they're heading in with, with momentum. Yeah, they had a bye week. Yeah, they're getting to get back maybe some guys that were out against UMass or guys that were banged up against UMass. It looks like, you know, Ajah Marshall will return, and that's a big boost to their offense. And, um, you know, I think they're heading in pretty good. I, and now we, we, we talked about it on our podcast. Um, this is their bowl game this year. You know, yeah. This is the bowl game for them this year, and this is the way to send off a, a really um, dedicated, gr- talented group of seniors off on the right foot, so. Sal, you mentioned uh, some of the injuries and in, in the guys coming back. Um, you know, it's it really has been. I, I know when you play triple option football, you're 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 simply the nature of the the beast is you're just going to get guys banged up, especially in the trenches along the line of scrimmage and quarterbacks are are notwithstanding it as well. Um, slot back has really been a spot where they have been really. 
I don't want to say decimated, but gotten really thin at. You know, Tyson Riley even moving and taking a lot of, I think maybe even the majority of his snaps, you know, at slot back in that last game. What's the status on on the slot backs? You know, it's it's been a obviously a big play position over the last couple of years for Jeff Munkin and the Black Knights offense. Yeah, it, you know, Chris, it's a position where I'm on our podcast a lot saying you got to get these guys the ball more because they're such playmakers, right? And I know it's a triple option offense and you got to feature the fullback and the quarterback keeps a lot. But, um, you know, Tyrell Robinson is arguably their, their biggest game changer on offense. And he went down with a, a knee injury against Wake Forest. And, you know, they haven't had him back. Um, you know, Ajah Marshall got an ankle injury, I believe, against UConn. So they didn't have him against uh, UMass. And then Miles Stewart, who's kind of like the third, fourth guy, um, he was, had his arm in a sling on the sidelines against uh, UMass uh, a week or two ago. So, um, you know, so then they, what do you do? You throw in Tyson Riley. And I talked I'm going to upload the video um, on our Black Eye Nation YouTube channel. Um, and he said that they, the thought was to play Tyson Riley a little bit at slot back this year even prior to the UMass game. But the, the thing is, Tyson Riley's been banged up a lot this season and hasn't really practiced too much. Um, he's been he's, he's also been sick too, so it's, he's missed some practice time. And he said that Tyson Riley went into that UMass game with three days of practice at slotback, and he played the majority of the snaps. So I think with Tyson Riley at slotback, slot back, you get like more blocking. You know, at slot back. Are they going to give Tyson Riley the ball 15 times as a slot back? No. I think the idea there is to get an extra fullback on the field, um, an extra fullback for block, a guy that can block. Maybe you can get him out of the backfield too, maybe on a pass when maybe he's not really looking for it. And you roll with him, Ajahn Marshall, Maurice Fallon, who uh, moved over for quarter, from quarterback uh, this season to slot back. And Brahim Murphy's made some big plays. We can't forget Brahim Murphy. He's a senior. He's made some big plays for this team. So they're okay. They're okay at slot back as far as going in. Would they love to have Tyrell Robinson? Of course. But, you know, he suffered that season-ending injury against um, Wake Forest. Hey, Sal, Mike Lovell. I think Army's biggest concern is probably the rush defense, 115th rush defense in the nation out of 131 teams. Navy, of course, uh, the seventh-ranked rushing offense. What's Army going to have to do? Uh, to stop Navy's rush offense in the game. Yeah, I think with the Army defense, I mean, if you if you uh, see that they've been playing well the last five games or so, they've only given up like 60 points. And they'll tell you the key, any, their keys to winning is running the football and stopping the run. And I think that you know, the defensive line, we know in these games, guys, if you the trenches are going to win this game, right? I mean, Army's defensive line, they're going to rotate guys in and out. So those guys have to stay fresh. They have to play their gaps, and they have to let the linebackers make plays. They have to let Leo Lowe make plays. They have to make, uh, they have to have Marquell Broughton come up from the safety position and make some plays, and that's going to be the key, key to the game for them. They have to come up with a turnover in this game, and they have to switch the field in this game if they want to have success because that's been the key for them. Um, too, too much early in the season, they were giving away points in offense or on special teams. They can't do that against Navy, and they have to come up with their um, – the defense has to come up with a couple plays in this game, whether it be a tackle for a loss that forces a punt, whether it be an inter- more of a fumble, probably a forced fumble than an interception. But they have to they have to change the game, so to speak. Yeah, so we'll switch sides on the offense. With the evolutionary divergence of the two playbooks uh, from the Paul Johnson origin, Jeff Munkin <laughs> – 
to be a little bit more comfortable with changing up some of the plays. Two years ago, we saw uh, a heavy use of, of uh, unbalanced line. This year, we've seen a couple end rounds. We've seen a couple slices. What do you think the Army offense has in store for some of those wrinkles that you usually see in the Army-Navy game to throw a, a defense who faces the flex bone every week to throw that defense off? What, what do you think Jeff's going to put into the game plan on offense this week? Man, I wish I was in the meeting rooms, to be honest <laughs> with you, because, you know, you, you look at it this – I think that sometimes in this game, honestly, they get too um, conservative. They get too bland a little bit. I mean, they should do a little bit more. Talking to Brent Davis yesterday, it's like you want to go against – I like, how do you build a game plan against, you know, Navy? You know, I'm sure you're practicing, you know, in the in the spring, in the preseason, and during the year I'm sure you're taking, you know, your, your reps in the call the commander-in-chief's uh, uh, periods. And he, and he just – of course, he wasn't going to give me away what they're going to do, of course, you know. But it's just like – I don't know. I just I think you're going to see a lot of Tyler Tyler in this game. I think you're going to see Tyler Tyler run how, you know, maybe different – maybe on the outside, trying to get to the outside a little bit more with Tyler. Um, I think you're just going to see that. I mean, I, I wish they'd throw the ball a little bit more. Isaiah Austin is probably the most talented wide receiver they've had in the Jeff Munkin era. I wish they'd give him at least three or four looks in this game. But I think you have to mix it up, and I think you got to, you know, keep it on schedule, so to speak, enough to where that play-action pass is going to help you. You know, I think they've hit the tight end up the seam in the last two games. I've been calling for that all year long. Josh Lingenfelter is a really elite blocker and also a good receiver, and I think that if they can mix in a passing game a little bit, I know that running the football is their deal, but if they can get a couple successful passes down the field, I think that'll help open up their running game just a little enough to maybe uh, win this game. All right, as we continue with Sal Interdonado, the founder, editor, guy that everything Army Athletics at BlackKnightNation.com. Again, follow him on Twitter at Sal Interdonado and make sure to check out their podcast, the Black Knight Nation podcast. And, you know, talking about Ty here, Tyler, just just a second ago, Sal, I know you. when you go back, you can always look, uh, you know, things you would do over again, maybe hindsight a little bit, but any second guessing you think, um, you know, going back to that Air Force game, if Jeb Munkin had to do it over again, starting Ty here, Tyler, instead of Jamel Jones in that game, and I mean, there's no reason to think. I mean, obviously they have three quarterbacks, all are capable. Uh, what's his name? Uh, um Kate Ballard. Kate Ballard. The, the, I don't want to call him the third string, but maybe the guy that can throw it the best of them all. Is there any reason to think we don't see Tyler Tyler the majority of the game in this one on Saturday? Yeah, I think the, the way he's played the last couple games, I think it's Tyler's game. He's a, You got all three seniors there, right? Mm-hmm. And you got all, all three guys that have experience. But Tyler, they really love Tyler's toughness, and they really love his leadership. And when he can break off some runs that he's broken off, I think toward at the beginning of the year, there weren't those um, – he wasn't breaking off like really 10 yards or more plays. And that's important in this in this offense to, to change the field, to move move the ball, move the chains. And when you're, when you're an option quarterback, you need to pick up – sometimes you need to pick up your offense when the fullback's getting stuffed. And sometimes you need to pick up those 10 to 20-yard runs. I think that he's been doing that in the last couple of weeks. And I think – uh, the passing, the passing has come along with Tyre enough where he can hit that Josh felt the passes down the seam to Josh Lingenfelter. So um, I think they're going to roll with him now. If it gets into a like a, a late two-minute drill type situation at the end of the first half or at the end of the game when they need to throw the ball, 
then you might see Jamel Jones or Cade Ballard. But I think the majority of the time you're going to see Tyre Tyler in this game. Sal, bigger question about the Army-Navy game in general. This is the first time since 2011 neither team's going to go to a bowl after the game. I, I think maybe the second time since 2003. Uh, talk to us about the, the, the increase in expectation of the Army-Navy game. These two teams usually fighting for a bowl game, sometimes both go into a bowl. The, just the increased expectations in this game since it moved off rivalry weekend and became a spotlight game for the nation. Yeah, I was talking to Tyre Tyler yesterday. He he was saying that the you know the preparation is the same uh, every week for them. I think he he was telling me that the 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 attention to detail is the same um, every week. But just talking to Jabari Moore also yesterday. I mean, there's just around campus. There's around post. This is a, a there's a buzz, right? Of course, there's a buzz. But for these seniors, you got guys who. The captains of this team, right, Mar- Marquell Broughton and Connor Bishop, they're heavily involved in the core, right? They're not just football players. They're heavily involved in the core. Broughton's a, a regimental commander, one of the four on in the core cadets. Um, Connor Bishop is involved in a, in a high officer position. So these are guys that are respected not, not only on the field, but also, you know, within their peers. And I think that that's something that, you know, that makes the game for them. They're playing, obviously – you know, in, in this game, right, these, these guys are playing for more than just their teammates. They're playing for the guys that have pl- have played in this game before. They're playing for the guys who are serving overseas. I think also, more than ever this year, I think that this team is playing for the core. And I think that that means a lot for, you know, the culture of the team. I think it means a lot to these players. Um, you got 19 seniors on this team. You got guys who have been through these games before, guys who have played in the game at Mighty Stadium where there's nobody in the stands, and guys who have made an impact like Bishop and Broughton and, and Andre Carter. Um, you know, so I think that that's really important. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different game. It, this game, I, I, you expect more intensity because this is the, the last game for each team this season. This is the seniors on both sides, no doubt, last game in their careers for a lot of them except maybe, you know, a couple guys like an Andre Carter. Um, it's going to be really – I'm looking forward to watching the start of this game and, and see if the intensity has even uh, jumped up a notch or, you know, geared up a notch and, uh, come Saturday. And, Sal, one last question for me, and it's a softball for you. Seventh year, seventh year of the Army Rivalry Series uniform, what's your favorite uniform of that seven-year series? Uh, that's a, yeah, I think the Head Mountain Division one's always been my favorite. I mean, maybe because just the game was played in those elements. But <laughs> I think that's that's that was my favorite, and it was. I, I also coupled the uniform with the game, right? Um, you know, yeah, the uniforms are nice, but then following it up with the game, and that game was just an incredible game that went down to a last kick, and that's what the rivalry is all about, right? That's you know, you know getting into a fist fight in a phone booth according to Jeff Munkin. You know, this is what this the game's about. And I that's my that's my favorite one. This one this one for Army is pretty good with the first armor division and the meaning behind it with World War Two, um, the history of it. I think Army puts a lot of time into the, and effort into their uniforms. And um, you know, I'm, I'm when I love like getting out to the field and pregame and see them up close in in their stadium atmosphere, you know. That's when I can maybe give this one the first armored division over the 10th mountain, 10th mountain, but we'll, we'll see what happens Saturday. All right, Sal. Thanks, Sal. 
Sal, before we let you go, there's nobody that even follows Army recruiting like you do. You know, where is this recruiting class? You know, we know that there is no National Signing Day when it comes to the academies, but where do things stand with this, you know, current recruiting class for next season's team? You know, the pulse of, you know, the, the verbal commitments they've got and, you know, guys that they've been looking at. And, you know, how does how is this class shaping up? Yeah, I, I really dove kind of deeper into it when seeing, uh, okay, they have about like six, uh, I think about 60 commits right now, which is a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how many of those commits are got offers from Air Force? How many got offers from – Navy, and you're looking at probably a third of those guys are guys who have also been recruited by academies. I think it started off well for them. They got a got, uh, defensive lineman by the name of Matt Gemma out of Del Barton, New Jersey. And um, he was he's pretty, um, I think, three-star or whatever, but he's, he's very talented. He's going to play in an All-American game. And I think that his enthusiasm for his commitment has helped spur other guys. He's been a real, he's been a guy who's really gotten out there and tried to push that here here's where here's a here's a good spot for you here's what you can do at army and here's what we can do at army and they built a pretty solid class they got a kid by the name of eric gardner out of pa who has multiple like power um power five offers they've really done well in pennsylvania so far i think with seven commits already mm-hmm. um you know georgia florida those and texas those are going to be strong states for them but if they can do well in like a um Pennsylvania is a pretty talented football state. If they could do well in, in, in those type of states, then they're going to have a pretty good recruiting class. And they have a couple other guys on board from Pennsylvania that are could really make a difference. And it's, you know, they keep on building. The guys, real quick, the thing that um, is really different, this is this, this transfer portal, right? Mm-hmm. And now the NIL and like you know now with the coaching changes all over the place now now you're seeing players like this week with the Buffalo Deion Sanders getting the Buffalo job people uh, there's a lot of decommitting going on there's a lot of uh shifting so the Army's got I'm sure Army coaches this is a busy week for them on the field but I'm sure it's a busy week for them on the phones and on their cell phones you know getting in contact with recruits keeping their interest in Army and building that class because this first signing day will be coming up and they want to have a majority of their class um, intact for that and then add a couple guys in that, in that February window too. So, um, yeah, they do, yeah, it, it, it's kind of – you think it's a kind of a – it's an average year for Army football, let's just say, mm-hmm. five and six. But they've been able to help hold the interest and uh, get some pretty talented players so far. All right, Sal, tell everybody about BlackKnightNation.com and what you got coming up the rest of the week and obviously your game coverage. Yeah, um, our game coverage, we, I, I, that's what I take pride in. And when mm-hmm. we're at games, I'm going to give our fans, on, on, especially on social media, the best experience I can get if they're not at the stadium. So I try to do some pregame videos. I try to do some videos from the stands even during the game just to get that perspective of what the game is like. Um, we have um, a Seth Mendelson who, who we added this year as a writer who does our game stories. I'll do the video coverage, get the postgame coverage. And, um, yeah, we have our photographers are excellent. We're going to have two photographers at this game. So we're going to have it covered as far as photos and videos. We're going to have this game covered pretty well. Uh, Margaret Kite and Lynn Fern have done a great job for us this year. And um, our podcast, um, right now I'm looking at tomorrow getting on Raleigh Stitchway for our podcast. And Raleigh Stitchway um, 
one of the more historic games in Army Navy football history. Him and Roger Staubach went at it in the in the sixty in the early sixties. So um gonna have Raleigh Stitchway hopefully on um on our podcast tomorrow to talk about the rivalry and talk about his experiences. We just had uh, if you check out our YouTube channel at Black Knight Nation, we just had Clay Daniels on. He was a guy who was a freshman on the '96 team and had some really great stories about the Army Football Brotherhood and how it how that helped him and what he's doing right now. He's a very su- successful in business. So um, yeah, it's been fun. If you check our archives out, man, there's so many good video uh, interviews that we've had with grads. I was trying to put the put those into a um, Army Navy memories um, mm-hmm. kind of compilation. It's a little bit of a project with YouTube, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. So if I can get those out, I will. And, uh, yeah, we, we just really enjoyed this season, just giving, our, giving the Army fans and people who follow Service Academy football kind of some insight and some, you know, the best possible um, experience, like I said, during game day that we can. So. Sal, we can't thank you enough, buddy. Uh, appreciate all the time today and for bringing Army football to the forefront as we get ready for Saturday, man. Always appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Bryce. Really appreciate it, Mike, and I'll see you guys on Saturday. All right, appreciate Sal Interdonato from BlackKnightNation.com for joining us there to talk all things Army football. And when we come back, we will have best-selling author John Feinstein. You won't want to miss this one. He'll be doing Navy pregame coverage. He's been a part of the Army Radio Network in the past. Obviously, is a columnist with the Washington Post and so many other things. Author of A Civil War. You don't want to miss this conversation with John Feinstein. And it's coming up next here on Yards and Stripes, your Army-Navy preview special. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, welcome back into Yards and Stripes. Price Atkinson joined by my man Steve Carney, producer and co-host extraordinaire. But we are joined by literary royalty John Feinstein the award-winning and best-selling author of A Civil War. Everybody listening to the podcast right now knows all about the Army-Navy rivalry that John takes you inside. An incredible piece, John. John, it's great to catch up with you again. Uh, Thanks so much for the time today. It's good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, John. Let's you know hop hop into it. Um, you know, I remember I was read. I went back and read your column just the other day because it was the last Army Navy game I've been to, which was in the I think it was in the the driving snow when the field goal ended up just short for year two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Oh man, I was standing right at the back of that end zone where that ball landed short, and probably t- at least two. False starts by Navy on that. I think three on the final drive. But two, yeah, yeah. Right. two of them and probably cost them the game. Standing, I was on the Army sideline uh, at that point, and the snow was still coming down like crazy. And when the ball was in the air, Boot Corrigan, who was then uh, Army's athletic director, was standing right behind me, and I heard him say, oh, blank, because he thought the kick was good. And then, as you mentioned, it just faded left at the last possible moment. What I mean, I think it was before the game when you wrote, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, quote, nothing in sports moves me like the Army-Navy game. You know, and then you mentioned how, you know, your wife will text you at the end of the last alma mater that's sung, and, you know, she yep. says, are you crying? And your answer yep. is absolutely. And I remember you saying to Medhurst one time on the radio, Navy radio network, or I think it, was, it, was, it wasn't Med, it was Bob Sosi, don't ask me a question right away as soon as this ends. I'm going right. to take a moment. You know, you've right. been asked Bob this. And so- I, Bob and I, Bob, and, Bob knew me well, and we, we had kind of 
an agreement that once the last alma mater was over, the winning alma mater was over, he would talk for a minute or two to give me a, a time to compose myself. I mean, I've been to so many of those games. I've known so many of those kids and coaches. And you've been there, Price. You worked yeah. at Navy. You know what I'm talking about. Um, there's nothing like, I say to people all the time, there is nothing like those few minutes right after the Army-Navy game mm-hmm. ends in sports. And, you know, the people who think, oh, Alabama-Auburn's the best rivalry or Ohio State-Michigan, they just don't get it. And, yeah. and, and I say, go to the game once and then talk to me about it. it. Is that what brings you to tears, you know, every single time is the yeah. conclusion, knowing what those, those, those men, those soldiers, for lack of better, that's what they're going to be going off and doing. The seniors, they're going to be in harm's way that time next year. Well, and what you understand is as hard as they've played against each other for the previous three hours, because mm-hmm. there's no game played harder than the Army-Navy game, um, when it's all said and done, that it's it sounds corny, but they're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're on the same team fighting for something a heck of a lot more important than a football game. And I've known uh, football players from both schools who have died overseas. I've known many who've deployed overseas. Uh, and so it's, it's not like the end of, of any other athletic contest that, that, I, that I've had the privilege of attending. Yeah. Uh, before I kick it to Steve, one more real quick because you tweeted, uh, John, you know, a flood of memories always come back, you know, during Army-Navy week. You know, you've been embedded in both locker rooms before the game, halftime, after the game. You obviously wrote A Civil War, one of the best sports books I think that's ever been done. Um, but you tweeted about a 95 story just, yeah. you know, the other day involving Navy Captain Andrew Thompson in a security guard, which, you know, I thought was just incredible. Can you, can you share that one and put that one into work, John? Yeah, 95 was the year that I wrote and researched a, a Civil War price. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I was embedded before people used the term embedded <laughs> uh, with, with both teams throughout that season and obviously got to know the players very well, still close to many of them, including Andrew Thompson was Navy's defensive captain and uh, uh, Army won the game. They drove 99 yards and uh, and won the game 14-13. Saved Bob Sutton's job, one of the best people I've known in sports. Mm-hmm. And when the game was over after the alma maters had been played, um, Andrew uh, came over to me and he was in tears and he buried his head on my shoulder and Phil Hoffman, who I'm sure you know the great Navy oh, yeah. photographer, took a picture of that moment with Andrew crying on my shoulder. And I don't have many athlete photos in uh-huh. my office, uh, Price, but I've had that up in my office for many, many years. And Gary Patterson, who back then was Navy's defensive backs coach, came along and, and he kind of took Andrew by one arm. I took him by the other arm and we walked him up the tunnel to the locker room. And we walked in and Charlie Weatherby, who, as you know, was very devout, mm-hmm. uh, was on one knee and he was about to lead the team in a postgame prayer. And we took a knee and I was wearing neutral colors because I'd been back and forth between the two sidelines and locker rooms mm-hmm. all day. And as I started to kneel, the security guard came up to me and said, hey, you can't be in here and started to grab my arm. At which point, Andrew, who was 6'2", 215 and served in the Marines for 21 years, uh stood up and said to the guy, he's with us. You get out of here. And the security guard wanted no part of Andrew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he backed right off and left the locker room. And uh, Andrew and I still joke about that one to this day. <laughs> yeah, I can certainly imagine. That's a, it's a, it's a great story, John, and, and about a great guy. Speaking of 
uh, great guys. I, I actually want to get to this year's game a little bit because uh, I just find that there are so many storylines that have been just incredible over the course of the year for both Army uh, and for Navy. Uh, I want to start with your thoughts uh, on this game and if you thought that if Navy would be in this position after what happened at the beginning of the year. Because I know that when they lost to Delaware, I went, uh-oh, here we go again. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. And uh, I had my annual summer lunch with Kenny Niamatololo just before practice started. And he was very optimistic uh, about uh, this year's team. He really thought they were going to you know, build on the, the, the two games at the end of last season. They routed Temple. They beat Army. Uh, and that, that Ty Lavatai was going to step up and improve as a quarterback from his first year as a starter. Um, and the Delaware game was just such a downer. Uh, first play, Ken, Kenny went out of character. They won the toss, and Kenny said, no, let's proceed. Let's get off to a good start, because usually they defer, as you know, Price. Yeah. And they received the kickoff. And on the first play, they fumbled. And it was a harbinger for the whole day and in some ways for the season. And they fumbled. Delaware went in and scored. And, and Navy never got its offense going. Lost 14-7. Um, and, and that was, that was a, you know, Delaware's a very good FCS team. They made the playoffs. But you schedule an FCS team at home to get a win. And that was really a downer. And I think it took a while for them to recover excuse me, psychologically from that loss. Um, and, and then they did beat East Carolina on the road, a bowl team, in overtime. And then right after that, what happens? Lavatai gets hurt. And Xavier Arline has come in and he's improved every week. But you know as well as I do, Price, he can't throw the football. Um, when they upset UCF a couple weeks ago, which is a great win on the road, um, they, they threw one pass. And that's something they're going to have to figure out Saturday is how, how to move the ball if Army stops their run game. Because Army is obviously going to gear their defense for, to stop the run. Yeah, and, and the, other, the other thing that I wanted to know about, uh, for, as, a, as a writer's perspective, um, uh, Andre Carter II on the, on the Army sideline, you know, uh, it's been a long time since uh, any service academy has had a guy of that uh talent than the right. natural talent. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's probably going to be a, a first round pick in the NFL uh, this year. How, how, how interesting of a, of a subject would that be for uh, uh, for a piece? I, I'm sure that you're always looking for, right. uh, for interesting perspectives for games. Yeah. I remember when CJ McCollum first showed up at Lehigh as a basketball player mm -hmm. and Jeff Jones was the coach at American. And he said to me after that game, that, uh, he said, that's not a Patriot league athlete. And uh, Carter is not a, an army Navy type athlete because he's, he's got NFL ability. He's got NFL size. He's huge and he's fast. Um, and usually, you know, one of the things about coaching army Navy or air force is that, if you're recruiting a kid who has any NFL ambition at all and you say, oh, by the way, there's a five-year military commitment when you graduate, they run screaming from the room. Now, that's loosened up uh, in the last few years. If Carter is a first-round draft pick, if he does make a team, uh, he'll get a chance to play in the NFL. But he's the exception and not the rule, and he is certainly an exceptional talent. Um, I, you know, you see players, I mentioned Andrew Thompson, but you see players every year in the Army-Navy game 
who have made themselves into terrific college football players because they compete so hard and they're smart and they figure out how to beat you. Uh, but you rarely see a guy that an NFL scout's going to get excited about. All right, as we continue with John Feinstein, best-selling author, you can follow him on Twitter at Books. Also check him out online, feinsteinbooks.com. Uh, a Civil War, clearly, uh, you know, just a an, one of the best reads that, that I've ever had when it comes to a sports book, John. Um, you know, you mentioned, and also you're going to be doing pregame uh, with the Navy Radio Network, kind of reuniting yep. again with Pete Medhurst, Joe Miller, Scott Wyckoff, that that group. Uh, so people will be able to listen to you on the Navy Radio Network pregame on Saturday. Um, you know, expectations for Saturday because, you, you know, Navy struggled, you know, found a little bit of late season momentum. Army could attain what I guess would be meaningless bowl eligibility at this point with bowl bids handed out. But, you know, I think back to one of the weirdest sights I think I've ever seen, the 2020 COVID game that was played at Mikey Stadium. And you mentioned right. Xavier Arline, who was a true freshman thrust into action, only the fifth true starter, um, freshman starter at quarterback for Navy in an Army-Navy game. Runs for 109. I think his 52-yard run early in the third quarter was their longest play from scrimmage that year yeah and that he, was a critical play because if yeah he scored the game might have been different it's three nothing at that point he's going to get that crack again john and you mentioned having to throw the football that's something he cannot do i mean he's a, a, a hybrid lacrosse football player with him you know at quarterback what is navy going to do you know and, and especially with him getting another crack at this you know that's something that every player wants when you lose to your rivalry one time much less twice yeah, there's no question about that. And, and, and our line had to improve week to week. Uh, you know, he hadn't really played for a couple of years until Lavatai got hurt. He played early last year, but then Lavatai took over and, 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 and was a starter for most of last season and the first several games this season. And you could see he, he wasn't confident making the pitch. And, of course, making the pitch is so critical. Uh, in an option offense, mm-hmm. and so is making the decision. Do you give to the fullback, fullback do you keep, do you pitch, whatever. Um, and his confidence doing all that has grown uh, from game to game. And even though he's not going to throw the football downfield effectively, I think he can be effective in this game. And, you know, what I've seen with Na- – Navy's gotten better. We talked about the start against Delaware. They've gotten better as a team. Their defense has been good all year, Price. Yep. And that's why I think this is going to be another 17-13 type game like we had last year. Um, it's very unusual nowadays since Jeff Munkin got there for Army to be playing with no hope of going to a bowl game or not going to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Navy's not going to a bowl game for the third straight year. And so what, what's different about this game than the last few years is for all the seniors, this is it. Yeah, This is the end. Now, our line is a junior, but nevertheless, um, the emotions involved for the players, when I did a Civil War, neither team went to a bowl that year. Uh, Army finished five, five and one. Navy, after losing the Army, finished five and six. And this is before you know everybody with six wins went to a bowl. So all the players walking onto that field uh, in '95, as this year, knew this was it for football, and it was a very emotional thing for all of them because they've all played football their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it'll be a very emotional game on both sides. John, I'm curious. We've talked a lot about the the history of Army-Navy. Uh, I want to talk uh, uh, really quickly about the future of Army-Navy. I know there are reports out there about the, the rotation uh, of yeah. the game and, and that Philadelphia is kind of upset that the next time around that they've only got one shot uh, at the game. Uh, we've talked a little bit about on this show about 
maybe taking the game more often on the road and, and taking it to some unconventional um, sites, like how like having Army Navy in San Diego because of the Navy presence there, taking yeah. uh, taking it to maybe Charlotte because of the, the presence of, of Army in uh, in in North Carolina. Uh, you know, is that something that you think that this that this, uh, you know, that these two service academies can do? going forward that maybe they take it on the road and, and take well, they are taking it on the road, um, not to Charlotte or San Diego in this next rotation, but they're going to play in Oxborough. They're going to play again in Washington in a dump of a stadium. Uh, they're going to play in the Meadowlands. Uh, they're going to play in Philadelphia once in the next five years. And I'm trying to remember the, the, the fifth location price. You may know it, but I happen to be a believer. Army Navy should always be in Philadelphia. Uh, it's right between the two schools uh, geographically. Uh, it, it, it's it's where our country was founded. Uh, it, it the people in Philadelphia know how to put on the Army Navy game. It's a huge undertaking, not just the game itself. Uh, but Army and Navy want to go on the road. You know why? You're gonna you're both gonna be stunned by this because they can make more money. <laughs> like, like they, they they bid up. The, the right to, 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 to host the game. Um, and I understand college football is about money, even at the service academies, even in the Ivy League. But um, I'm a great believer that Army-Navy belongs in Philadelphia. It, 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 everybody knows how to get there. Uh, it's between the two schools and uh, geographically. And I'm very disappointed that they're chasing the money this way, though not at all surprised. All right, John, before we let you go, I just want to go back to one more question to you in the, your 2018 column writing. Only a cadet can have some understanding of what it's like to be a midshipman, and only a midshipman can understand what it's like to be a cadet, end quote, that, what you wrote. And I'm brought back to Navy Captain Andrew Thompson uh, again because I can't remember. It's been a while since I read A Civil War and read so many between then when I first read it. But, you know, that 95 contest, um, Army co-captain Jim, Cantal- Jim Cantaloupe, you know, he leaves his team's celebration, and he asks to go to the Navy locker room or outside to meet Andrew Thompson, you know, to express his thanks for what he called a game well played, one for the ages. As you mentioned, I think, earlier, Navy stopped three times inside the three. That 99-yard drive that produced the winning score, Army wins 14-13. to 13. In the midst of a difficult loss, you know, Jim – reaching out and wanting to go across down the hallway or across the hallway, that kind of acting class of goodwill to me embodies what this rivalry is all about. Yeah. And and Jim and Andrew are are, are perfect examples uh, of the rivalry. They, the the army and Navy captains always meet at the army Navy luncheon the week before the game, uh, get to know each other. And what they realize when they meet each other, as I said, Mm -hmm. is, Wait a minute. He he could be me. I could be him, uh, because it takes so much discipline and toughness to survive at, at, at any of the academies. And although they, the Army and Navy kids do refer to Air Force as the Country Club Academy because they have carpeting on the on, on in the uh, dorm rooms there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Andrew and Jim are still close friends to this day. We had a 25th anniversary that was supposed to be two years ago, but got postponed because of COVID. Um, for both teams in New York last year, um, they were both there, um, and uh, they they were at each other's weddings. Uh, and in, and a funny story, um, 
Jim and, and Derek Klein, who was his best friend in Army, came to Andrew, Andrew's graduation at Navy in, in May of 1996. And after the ceremony, the Marines went to the football locker room to put on their Marine uniforms since they were now members of the Marines. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Derek and Jim and I went to the locker room and there was a guard on the door. And Jim said, we're here to see Andrew Thompson. And, and the guard looked at them, looked at Jim and said, are you members of the class of 1996? And Jim said, yes, we are, because he and Derek had just graduated from West Point. Wow. <laughs> so it was true. We all went in and saw Andrew. And, and like I said, they've been buddies. Um, Andrew deployed while he was in the Marines to Iraq, um, lives in, in Fort Worth now. He actually came back to Navy for a couple of years as a Marine rep. You may have seen him then, Price. Yep. Um, but the, 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 what I said is, I happened to do the book in 95. I got lucky. I met a group of terrific young men. Mm-hmm. The game was great. But I could do that book any year mm-hmm. because the young men are going to be terrific young men. They're going to have stories to tell. They're going to be people you're going to want to be friends with for life. Uh, there's, there's, that's why there there is nothing quite like Army-Navy and why I get so emotional at the game every year. And John, I think that's exactly why our, uh, Civil War is a is is a timeless classic, and will always be for for the reason that you just described. And you know, I know raise a fist, take a knee. That's out right now. Makes a you know a fantastic Christmas gift. You know, I'm I'm certainly always partial to your basketball books, being a, a, a college basketball guy at heart. But a Civil War, but raise a fist, take a knee. The most recent uh, bestseller uh, that's received, I think. What some of the highest reviews you've ever had, John, for one of your books? Yeah, and, and it was really gratifying um, because obviously it's a controversial subject. Yeah. Uh, as as you and I sit here, uh, I'm getting tweets from people who say that you know Colorado's made a mistake hiring Deion Sanders. What's he ever done? Well, I happen to know Deion Sanders because he was with the Ravens the year I did my Ravens book, and he's mm-hmm. one of the brightest people I know because he's a showman. There are a lot of white people who make assumptions about him, and that that's that's a big problem we have in this country. You know, white people who are either uh, intimidated by, by by black people or who don't understand black people. I can't understand what it's like to be a black person because mm-hmm. I'm not black, but I can I can't empathize, but I can certainly sympathize. And uh, the book, like you said, got great reviews. I think people understood people who reviewed it understood what I was trying to do and what I was trying to say. And I was trying to bring awareness to a subject that pretty much is an elephant in the room for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And, and it's understandable because some of the numbers, which I have in the book, which are out there uh, are embarrassing, you know, just flat out embarrassing. And, um, and that's, I think that's why the book received such good reviews. At Jay Feinstein Books, FeinsteinBooks.com online. Everything you can find uh, about what John's working on literary-wise and certainly, you know, the Washington Post, Golf Digest, and the Navy football pregame show on Saturday. John, cannot thank you enough for your friendship and your time as always, John. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Bryce. Good to talk to you guys. Have a great holiday. Once again, our thanks to John Feinstein, the best-selling author and columnist with the Washington Post, for joining us there. When we come back, Mike, Steve, and I, we're going to put a bow on this thing, give you some picks for Saturday's game right here on Yards and Stripes, your Army-Navy preview special. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. 
Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If Not Me, Then Who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Before we wrap up this episode of Yards and Stripes and this Army-Navy preview, you know that we've come to the time where we honor and remember a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice during our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment. And this week we're going to remember Army First Lieutenant Ashley Henderson Huff. She was a native of Bellmead, New Jersey. And Lieutenant Ashley Huff gave the ultimate sacrifice on September the 19th in 2006 when an IED exploded near her mounted patrol during combat operations in Mosul, Iraq. Huff was assigned to the 549th Military Police Company and 385th Military Police Battalion based out of Fort Stewart, Georgia. She spent her childhood in Baton Rouge, Louisiana before moving on to New Jersey. She attended the University of Georgia and was a member of the ROTC program, graduating in 2004 as a second lieutenant that later deploying to Iraq in December 2005. For her service, she was awarded the National Defense Service Medal, Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, Army Service Ribbon, Bronze Star Purple Heart, and Combat Action Badge. Her father, Mark Henderson, said, quote, Ashley was a happy person, a good leader. She was very caring about her soldiers, well-respected by them and by her commanding officers. She had a promising career in the Army and whatever else she chose, end quote. Lieutenant Huff, survived by her parents, Mark and Janet Henderson, her husband, Brian Huff, as well as her sister, Abby. The Travis Manion Foundation honored First Lieutenant Ashley Henderson Huff through their Character Does Matter program on November the 29th, 2011, when her story was told to inspire over 1,400 students at Community Middle School in Plainsboro Township, New Jersey. The students then took on a challenge to follow the examples of their fellow fallen hero, their fallen heroes and lived by Travis's motto, if not me, then who? They honored their fallen heroes through researching Ashley's life and exceeded their goal of completing 500 acts of kindness in her honor. And once again, we thank the Travis Manion Foundation for partnering with us on this very and most important segment of the podcast every single week, because as we all know, freedom isn't free. And the heroes like Ashley Henderson Huff, who gave their life to, to keep us safe and also to protect our freedoms, and we will never they will never be forgotten. Travis Manion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, continuing along here on our Army-Navy preview special. How about that? We had fantastic interviews with Pete, Sal, and then John Feinstein in that final segment right there just before our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll. Make sure you go to travismanion.org. Do it now to get your tailgate tickets for their tailgate starting at 10 a.m. right across the street from Lincoln Financial Field. Again, travismanion.org. You can pick up your tickets right there online to get involved in an outstanding tailgate, one that I've been to several years ago in the Travis Manning Foundation. They do it right. 
So check them out online as we have partnered with them all season long for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll. All right, before we go any further, let me tell you about BetUS.com. We're going to give you some picks in a second, but you, you know that you need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and we've told you all season long, you know who it is. That's right, it's BetUS.com. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for more than 25 years, thriving, paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? We want you to go with BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we've been giving to you to you all season long. College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Here it is, 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Let me explain. Here's how it works. You put in 100, you get 125 to play with. 200 deposited gets you 250 and so on. That's our offer to you with BetUS.com. Take advantage of our offer from our shows on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network because BetUS has the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. Guys, almost any sport you can think of or wager on, they've got it. We want you to be with BetUS.com. What better way to start than before Saturday's big game with Army and Navy doing battle in Philadelphia? Check them out online at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% Match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Bet US, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. All right, guys, before we give some picks and get out of here on our Army Navy preview special, congratulations to the Air Force Falcons because they are going bowling. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, 9 and 3 Air Force, going to do battle there in Fort Worth against 6 and 6 Baylor. That game going to go down on December the 22nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. Baylor has been installed as a six-and-a-half-point favor, favorite, an over-under at 49-and-a-half in a bowl game where Air Force is appearing for the sixth time, the 20th anniversary of this bowl game, uh, going to be played again on Thursday, December the 22nd at TCU's beautiful Amon G. Carter Stadium. Baylor and Air Force have matched up three previous times with the Bears winning all three matchups, but they haven't played since 1977. Tickets are available at GoAirForceFalcons.com. Get your tickets here again at AirForceFalcons.com. And real quickly, staying on Air Force, Mike and Steve, Brad Roberts, no shocker here. Congratulations to him, the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. If anybody voted any differently, I don't know where their head was in the sand on that because Brad Roberts just absolutely outstanding. He's going to show up, I'm convinced, on some All-American teams. I just know it. I mean, he's, what, third in the nation in rushing as you end the regular season. Uh, fantastic year by the senior uh, from the Air Force Academy. And, and finally, before we give some picks, I know Mike probably doesn't like this one, but, man, I, I read about – I read the Naval Academy's uh, official press release, Michael, that uh, a few midshipmen went on a secret mission the other day, dropping ping-pong balls and leaflets during noon formation at West Point via aerial assault that uh, was met with some smiles and maybe a little – a few grumbles there at West Point. I don't know if you saw that news. Steve is grinning, so I know he knows all about it. But, I, you know, it's every year that they're going to prank and do something. You know, the Tecumseh statue typically always is painted, you know, at the Academy in Annapolis. You know, there's, you know, mascot stealing. There's all kinds of stuff. But I thought that one was pretty creative this week. 
Yeah, I mean, it's cute, you know, Air Force playing with the <laughs> with the little bitty ping pong balls. But uh, don't forget that. Uh, but don't forget that Army stole the Navy's superintendent's boat. So, you know, if you want to play with the little ping pong balls, and drop it from the sky. That's cool. We'll just we'll just take the five million dollar boat, <laughs> the three stars boat. So yeah, it, it was cute. Good on Air, good on Navy uh, again, again. Navy having to resort to forces in the air to do their thing. <laughs> I just we, we talked about this with the uniform. I don't know why Navy can't just stick to the water. Why, why didn't you drive a boat up the Hudson? I mean, it's right there. But you know, whatever. It was cute. Good on them. Um, we'll, we'll because see how we fly, because out. we fly more than the Air Force does. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Well, I, cute. Clever, I, you know that's a West Point. That's a West Pointer telling you it, it was just cute, Steve. All yeah, right. well, uh, it's not going to get him Article Fifteen. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Stealing a three stars boat. Yeah, All right, our our, our three stars stole the boat. So I don't, I don't. You got to be, you got to be Article a pretty 15. big guy. To, you got to be a pretty big guy to give a three star uh, Article Fifteen. Yeah, you got to be a four star. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! All right, let's get to some picks. What else do we have left to do? I think we've done it all here on this episode. Is if there's anything else that we can't do, uh, I don't, we're gonna we're not even gonna attempt to try. But we're gonna give some picks for Saturday's Army Navy game presented by USAA. And I thought, Mike, this one was an interesting one because 16 straight years the under has come in on this game. Going uh, 2006, starting back then, the total for the Army Navy game was set at 49. Navy got a 26-14 to 14 victory, cashing the under for betters, and that game was the start of an incredible streak as the Army-Navy game has gone under the betting total in six straight years. As I mentioned at the outset, the over-under 32-and-a-half as, as of right now, uh, an Army, Army installed, or at least it's down from four-and-a-half now, to a two-and-a-half point favorite in the game. Who do you want me to – Mike, let's start with you. I mean, royalty right here is a West Point grad. Which way are you going in this one? Well, you know, I, I just – I'm concerned with Army's run defense. I watched Coastal Carolina put up 263 against Army. I watched Georgia State put up 299. I watched Wake Forest put up 221 yards. I watched Air Force in person uh, bludgeon Army defense for 226. And then just a couple weeks ago, I watched UConn run for 254. I'm just, uh, you know, I, that, that the Army run defense concerns me uh, in my preview. As you know, it, it's it's hard because I always want Army to win, uh, but when you have a rushing attack against the defense that hasn't really shown it's able to stop a, a run-centric offense, uh, I've got Navy 24, Army 17, uh, which for those doing the math hits the over. Uh, we'll see about that. Army's defense is not as good this year as they have been for the uh, for the entire time they've been under uh, Coach Jeff Munkin. So I got 24-17 Navy uh, with all hoping that I am wrong. Wow, 24-17 Navy. I did not expect, expect that one bit. Steven? Yeah, I think that the big question on Navy's side is going to be the front seven, as I mentioned, against Tahir Tyler. Um, I, I'm not concerned so much about Andre Carter the second he's going to get his plays when uh, uh, when he makes them I'm sure he's going to make a bunch of them because he's yeah. obviously the most talented team on either side of the field um, for both teams and so he's going to you're going to show you're going to see a lot about him um, I certainly think uh, that you're going to see a lot about Jamie Romo as as I mentioned uh, with, with yeah. Pete Medhurst earlier on today uh, you know that's going to be a big boost 
for for Navy. Um, I I actually think that even with the over under at thirty two, I think it still hits the under. And I have Navy seventeen, Army fourteen. So that's thirty one and a three point game. I, and it's, of course, it's going to be a three point game. Wow. Okay. So we've got Navy and Navy. So Mike's going Navy twenty four seventeen. Steve is going Navy seventeen to fourteen. Wow. Okay. I guess I'm the might be the dumb one. I I'm going with Army. I like Army in this one sixteen to ten in a low scoring game because I mean you know I, I'm going to play the trend uh, of the under number one. Number two, I think with Xavier Arline at quarterback for the midshipmen, the inability to throw the football is is going is going to be a, an issue all day and. You know, I know Army's given up yards, you know, on the ground. Uh, I, I just, when you're that one-dimensional and you know what's coming, I just feel like you're going to have a long afternoon. So I will be the black sheep in this one. I will go Army 16-10 to 10, uh, in Saturday's game, which I did not expect to be the only one. I will just say this, Michael. I did not think I would be the only one picking Army. I thought Stephen – could but I thought you definitely would pick the Black Knights, but I did not expect to be the lone the lone guy. I've lost enough money betting that I always try to bet against what I want. That's that generally works out for me. I like your logic because that's exactly how I think about things when I bet too. That's right. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna have heartbreak on the field, you at least want to feel good in the wallet. That's exactly right. All right, Michael, Stephen, awesome job as we loaded you up, loaded up our listeners who, again, invested their time this week on a lengthy Army-Navy preview special here on Yards and Stripes as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. You can listen to us every single week along with a myriad of shows that we have that are all about college football because we have got a lot more to do this season with bowl season right around the corner after the Army-Navy game on Saturday. We want to thank Pete Medhurst once again, Sal Interdonato, and, of course, John Feinstein for joining us this week. hope everybody's enjoyed it. hope everybody enjoys America's game on Saturday as it sits in its rightful place as the only game being played on Saturday is Army-Navy game 130. 23rd installment presented by USAA. Mike, Steve, enjoyed it this week as always. Can't wait to recap this one next week as we see what all went down in Philadelphia. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.